Light them up. Morning, morning, everyone. Did you, did you see that red car out there? That belongs to the redhead. And she's really upset. <laughs> so glad to see you all this morning. Uh, it's, uh, we've been studying Philippians, and uh, this is the last, the last time we talk about Philippians, at least in this study, so it's been exciting. And um, I look around, there's a couple of people, uh, they used to refer to my posse, but people that have, that have known me for years and years and years, besides the ones that are already here, and so I'm glad you're here this morning, and, and thanks for uh, uh, coming out. The whole book of Philippians, if you read Philippians, it's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. You've been around LifeSpring, that's what we talk about. It's all about Jesus, amen? It's all about Jesus. And we don't get too off on, you know, the three points of how to live a successful life or those kind of things, you know. It's all about Jesus. What is Jesus saying to you? Is Jesus alive? Is Jesus yeah. real? Boom! Yeah. Paul, when he wrote... Philippians, it's only 103 verses long. Out of those 103 verses, 16 have to talk about joy and rejoicing. The man was in prison when he was writing Philippians. He was in probably one of the worst holes of a prison that you can imagine. Yet he's writing this amazing thing. And what he was encouraging the Philippians and, including, and encouraging us is that Jesus is the center of our life. Amen. He's the solar system. He's the center of our solar system, if you will. He's the central focus of, that our lives revolve around. Here's Jesus. Here's you and me going around Jesus. If it's the other way around and you're in the center and Jesus is kind of revolving around you, <laughs> you, might, you might have a little bit wrong. Jesus. He's a reason for getting up in the morning. He's a reason for getting up in the morning. Pastor Dan already talked about this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You probably have heard my paraphrase before. Every day is a precious gift by God. Beautifully wrapped. Dot, dot, dot. What's the rest of it? Tear it, Tear it open. Tear it open. Every day is a precious gift. It's a reason for getting up in the morning. I remember in the past, when life wasn't going so good, I'd get up and I'd go, oh, Lord. Not another one. I don't want this. It's not going good. But now I get up and I say, Oh Lord, oh Lord, I got another one. I got another one. Another day to praise you. Another day to lift up your name. Amen? Amen. We get out of our stuff. Boom. If you don't get up in the morning thanking God, then try it. It's going to be amazing. It's amazing. Jesus, Paul is telling us, it's a reason for getting up in the morning. It's our hope for eternal life. It's our joy that life brings, even in sorrow and suffering. I look around here, and I've, I've married some of you, and I've buried some of your relatives, and they call me the Mary and Barry pastor. I marry and bury. I'm like an Oregon blackberry. But I've been with you through the good times and some of the sad times as well. Um, to have joy, even in the midst of sorrow and heartache, and our true, real satisfaction is in Jesus, and Jesus is our everything. Is our everything. Say, Jesus is my everything. Jesus is my everything. Amen. 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 Philippians, it's an amazing book, written by Paul. And like I said, he was in jail when he did it. 
But considering where he was, the whole book, I want to point out something. In the black here, these are letters. That's part of Philippians. And it says, Dear Blank, that's your name. I don't know if you got that, but that's where it's not the, to the Philippians, it's to you. But look in the black. This is how, how positive Paul was in prison. Even though he was in prison, this is how he was writing to the Philippians. I thank God every time I remember you. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Jesus Christ. For, for, me, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Your attitude should be the same with Christ Jesus. And do everything without complaining. Say amen. amen. Or arguing so that you may become blameless, pure, children of God without fault in a crooked, depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Woo, you guys are all stars. And he's writing this in jail. Writing this in jail. But Jesus was alive in him and he wasn't going to hold back. And... Uh, it's just pretty amazing. And again, 16 verses out of those 103 verses. It only take you. I had the opportunity preparing for today to read all the Philippians five or six times from different translations. The King James, the Spirit-filled, the NIV, the Amplified, the New Living Testament, the Message, and a couple other ones. Just to read all of that. It took like five minutes each time to read those 103 verses. But the more I read it, the more it started to sink in. The more I started to get it, the more God was speaking to me, and he'll speak to you the same way, as far as what's in those verses. Philip, we're at the end of Philippians now. He's talking to them, and he's talking about them being generous. Their generosity of supporting him in his ministry. And he's thanking them profusely for their love and their support. So looking back, last week Pastor Dan was talking about these verses, and so if you got your Bibles or your smartphone, or your iPad, or there's some Bibles in the back. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles back there to help yourself, some notes to take notes with. Because if you don't take notes, by the time you hit those glass doors in 45 minutes, you'll forget everything I said. So maybe write some notes. Philippians 4, 10 to 13. I rejoice greatly. This is Paul. He's in jail. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. What he's saying is, I don't want your money. I don't want it. But I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every in any and every situation, whether well-fed or whether hungry, whether living in plenty or want. And here he gets all riled up again. He gets all riled up again. But I can do everything. I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. Amen. Repeat that. I can do everything, can do everything. Through, Christ through Christ who gives me the strength. Me the <laughs> Look at verse 10 again up there. And it says, I rejoice greatly. Weren't an example of rejoicing greatly, being so excited. I thought of one, in fact, I saw a couple of people this morning. I was so glad to see that I went up there and they, oh, it's so good to see you. I haven't seen you for so long. And it's so good to see you. And when someone comes in your driveway or a relative or something, you run out to the driveway and you're hugging them and jumping, right? Sports. The Mariners. 
of all things. Who would think that the Mariners would be? <laughs> and of course, that's a little on the earthly side, but the Mariners are winning. And who would know? And that guy back there is rejoicing. So the different things of when we rejoice, we just let it go. And Paul is doing that. I rejoice greatly. I'm in prison, but I still rejoice. The Seahawks. I know all of you, when the Seahawks, when they score that touchdown in the last 30 seconds, and Russell runs all the way around, and he throws a pass to, I'm not sure, Baldwin or something, and scores in the last 30 seconds, there's not a person in here. Then they go, and your popcorn and your drink is going and you're high-fiving and this one is screaming that the neighbors can hear from three blocks away. <laughs> She's crazy. Wow, when it comes to sports. She's an old cheerleader back in the day and she hasn't forgot those, all that training, have you? But that's rejoicing. That's what Paul was doing. He was rejoicing greatly. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. Look at verse 11. What did he learn in verse 11? What did it say that he learned? I have learned to be what? To be content. How many like being content? How many don't like being content? <laughs> content kind of seems like, well, but content really is that you know who you are in Christ, that Jesus loves you, you know that you're going to heaven, that you're going to take as many people with you to go to heaven, and that you're not going to be ashamed of the gospel, and you're just going to let it fly, and you're not going to do it, Right? But no matter what happens, I'm going to be content. I'm going to be content. I'm going to be able to stand there. I had a man cleaning my driveway a month ago, and he was big heart. And I'd see there, and he'd have his, he'd have his tunes on. And all of a sudden, he'd drop what he was doing as far as uh, pressure washing my driveway. And then pretty soon, I see this dude, friend, doing this. Just being content. Just praising the Lord. Just praising the Lord in my driveway. And he didn't care who saw him. He didn't care who saw him. And he's praising the Lord and he's smiling. And, ah, brother, bless you. His name is anonymous, but it's Lane Hauger. But I. <laughs> but there he was. There he was. Just, I'm content in the Lord. Praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord with all my soul. Ah, his praise will continually be in my mouth. <laughs> Look at verse 12. What did he learn again? He said, I know what it didn't need. I know what it has to have in plenty. And this is, I have learned. Somebody? Oh, thank you. I thought you died. <laughs> I've learned the secret of being content. And then what's next of it? In any and every situation. That's tough to do. That's tough to do when we kind of get out of focus and life gets a little stinky. Amen? The secret of, so what's the secret? The secret is having that personal relationship, having that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that he is the living, exalted Jesus Christ. He's the center of your universe. He's the center of your life. And that's the secret of being content, of being content, to take a deep breath in, to take a deep breath out and rest in the presence of Jesus. <laughs> whether you're well-fed or hungry, or whether you're living in plenty, or you need something. And then verse three, all of a sudden, 13, all of a sudden Paul gets all jacked up again, gets cranked up, and look at him. What does he say? What does he say? Do I can do all things through him who gives me the strength. 
So he's talking about this stuff, being content, and then all of a sudden he gets excited about what it really means to be a Christ follower, and away he goes, and away he goes. Let's open up with a little word of prayer. It's probably come to that. So Lord, we just thank you for today. We praise you, Lord. We worship you with everything that's in us, with everything that's in us, all of our breath, Lord, body, soul, and mind. We worship you. We praise you from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, you're not letting go. You got us, and you know where we're at. So Lord, we just thank you for this time. May your word be your word, and may your spirit be your spirit, and just lead us in the next couple of minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Philippians 4. Uh, again, and we're going to look at verses 14 through 23, the last eight or nine verses of Philippians. So we get the, it's this kind of a thank you letter. How many still write thank you letters? If you get a nice gift, you still write thank you letters? Everybody over 45 writes a thank you letter. <laughs> Anybody else, they text. Or worse yet, instant messaging, like thanks. Philippians 4, 14 through 13, uh, here we go. And this is Paul writing, it said, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. He was in jail. Uh, he didn't have any money. It was good of you to share my troubles. Moreover, you as Philippians, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, meaning back when you were baby Christians and I was just starting to preach to you, and you were just starting to get a grasp of what being a Christian is all about, you were there. I sent out from Macedonia, not one church, and he went to many churches after he was with the, uh, the Philippians, not one church shared me with in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. You were the only ones that supported me. Even when I was in Thessalonica, Thessalonica where the Thessalonians lived, <laughs> you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, Paul is saying, I don't need your money. I don't want your money. I'm content. But what I desire more is that you be credited to your account. And we'll explain that in a minute. I received full payment. I have more than enough. Say more than enough. I'm amply supplied. Amply supplied. And now I have received from Ephroditus, or that guy, the gifts you sent me. You try to say that word. Oh, very good. <laughs> How many left-handers are there in the crowd? One left-hander, two left-handers, three. We can never say words that, that big that go backwards and forwards. And then you look at it and you're like, I digress for a moment. Thank you. I digressed. But those gifts are like fragrant offering. Ah, thank you, God. An acceptable sacrifice and pleasing to God. And then watch him again. Here he goes. What does he say? And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise the Lord. My God will meet all your need. Some of the translations and versions say need, just singular need. The need at the time when you need it the most. And some of them have it plural as needs. We're not going to argue about that according to his riches and glory. And then the final part is just a salutation of, of saying goodbye, thank you so much for your love and appreciation. And the last sentence is in uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. He didn't say be with your body. He didn't say be with your mind. He didn't say to be with your circumstance. 
because we're spirit beings that I just I didn't catch it till I saw it the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit and they said amen amen, amen. okay we'll come back to these guys in a second I want to take Pastor Dan and I have been here approximately the same time January 2010 is when we both kind of showed up I showed up a little bit earlier but January uh, the first Sunday in January is the first time I preached with Pastor Chad and um, seen all the transition that goes on and where where we were where we're at now how God is moving from glory to glory to glory right I want to talk to you folks I have a tendency sometimes to watch body language and watch, watch eyes it's just being a pastor and being in sales where I always watch uh, Kathy said I have a, a, a gift of discernment but really it's just watching body language and praying when I'm talking to you but I want to let you know, Life Spring, you're amazing. You're amazing. Honestly and truly, you are the most loving, giving, generous church on the planet. Somebody said that, man. <laughs> you are. I've been a part of some amazing churches, big and small, throughout the years. And they're wonderful churches, and they do things that are just amazing as well. But from the standpoint of being generous to a to without any borders you folks are amazing in so many different ways not just financially with your time with your talents there's so much talent with you folks it's amazing you volunteer you step up when 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 there's a need for it whenever there's a need you take positions of leadership or you volunteers in assistant leadership or you start a whole new ministry or small group you get involved in the community feeding the folks down at the community center every Thursday night uh, we do that. We help at the, the seniors' luncheon at, in Milton. Uh, we, we just gathered a whole bunch of food to send it down to the motels down at Fife where people are in the less expensive motels and don't have any food, and on and on it goes. And you get involved in community events. You pray. This is a praying church. This is a praying church. And after service, 45, 50 minutes later, there you are. You're over in that corner, you're over in that corner. You're praying for each other. You're crying for each other. You're lifting each other. I don't know how many times people have come to me with $100 or more and says, this is for so-and-so. I don't want them to know that it's from me. But could you please give this to them? You just let them know that somebody's praying for them and they just wanted to bless them. I get to go. I had the fun job. Now I get to go. Guess what? Somebody loves you. Besides Jesus, somebody loves you. And they gave me this, and they just told me to give it to you, that they're praying for you, they love you, and they hope you get through the situation. And the tears start to flow. The tears start to flow. That's the way you folks are. You're so generous. You're so giving. And the amazing part is you do it with a smile. And you have a good attitude. And Jesus said, you know, if you fed the hungry and you clothed the naked and you visited those in prison and gave water to the thirsty, it says, what does he say? It says, if you've done it under the least of these, you've done it under me. Done it unto me. I'm just blown away by the way you radiate the presence of Jesus. You radiate the presence of Jesus and you show the world that it's okay to be a happy person. It's okay to smile. It's okay to be a Christ follower. It's okay not to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and to be proud about who you are in Christ. And that's what Paul's been trying to teach us all that. And your financial support is just unbelievable. The number of other pastors, other churches that you have helped support, the other different ministries in Ghana, wherever it is, and the, those people came that were going to the Middle East to be missionaries in, in uh, the Middle East? Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not the biggest church on the planet, but we got a giant heart. We're like a, we're like a chihuahua. <laughs> Poor Greg Solsite going, chihuahua, no, I'm, I'm more like a Great Dane. <laughs> no, what I mean, chihuahua, they, they think they're, you know, they're only like this. But their heart is this big. Have you ever seen them go after a German Shepherd or a big Labrador or something? That's how you guys are. We're not big, but man, we got a big heart. We got a bite. (laughs) You make God smile. It's pleasing to God the way you do life spring. And I just, uh, I'm not here to to, uh, pump you up or blow smoke or whatever they say. But I just want to say you're awesome. You really are awesome. And it's just, uh, it's pleasing to God. And and for those of us that are on staff, it's so pleasing. We just go, wow. (laughs) They just keep... It just keeps on rolling. It just keeps on giving. You know, God, I, you've heard me say this before. God's got a big refrigerator. A big refrigerator. I don't know how big it is, but it's big enough to have all the Christians' pictures on there. And this is my cartoon mind working. And in the morning, God's, God's walking along. He's got his slippers and his pajamas and his robe on. And he's got a big cup of Starbucks. Play along with me. And he goes, ah. Oh. He says, there's my son. There's my son, Terry Deal. Oh, he's such a big, he's such a big guy. He's such a big guy, but he's got such a big heart. He's my son, and he loves me, and I love him like no other. <laughs> and then he looks around and says, there's Dewey. There's Dewey. And same thing. He says, there's my son, the best plumber in the world, and I love him. He can fix anything. And then he goes to Bobby, and he goes to all of you, and he says, there, there they are. There they are. My refrigerator. Those are my kids. Those are my kids. Would you look at my kids? You know how people said, those are my grandkids. He's looking. He's showing, off. He's showing you off to the, the heavenly host. <laughs> he's got a big refrigerator. You're so inspiring, Life Spring. You, you just blow us away. Turn to your neighbor uh, and look at them and, and just say, uh, uh, you're a little bit weird. Just turn to somebody and say, you're a little bit weird. Yeah. Now turning to somebody else and just point at them and shake your finger at them and say, you're peculiar. You're really peculiar. They're having too much fun with this. But you know, that's what the Bible says. Bible says we're, we're a little bit weird. We're not like the way the world does it. We don't, we don't do what the world does. We don't work on the, the platform of the, of the world. We work on the platform of Jesus Christ. And we're a little bit different. We're a little bit weird. <laughs> we're a little bit quirky. But we're peculiar. And that's a good thing. Amen? Amen. All right. Just about giving. Not that that applies any prayer here. It replies to other churches where your friends go. Because you give so much. But there was a study, there was a group that used to study churches and how they give and what they do, and they would, uh, things about pastors and 
children's ministry, all that. But anyway, this one was on, on financial, and this is back in 2000. But this, a couple of little points that came out of that is more people claim to be tithers than actually do. That's hard to believe. Well, it's true. Of all the people, this is one that just kind of shook me to my core. Of all the people that claim to be born-again Christians, they've saved, they raise their hand, accepted the Lord, they went to a new, new beginning class, they attend on some kind of regular basis. 25% of those people do not give anything to the local church. Ouch. It's estimated that uh, uh, in most churches, only about 3 to 5% of the people actually tithe. And that, no guilt trip. That's just what it is. And then in 2000, when the survey was taken, the average donation by adults in all the churches that they surveyed, the actual donation per week by adults average was $12.50 a week or $648 a year. That was 2000, so we'll double or triple that. When I was down in California Square, we're, we're counting the offering, and there, all of a sudden there was a check. I never looked at the person's name. We never looked at the person's name. I don't have no idea what you give either as Pastor Dan. But as we're counting the checks, I'm looking, and here goes this check for $3.33. And, you know, and so I, I kind of went, <laughs> and so one of the gifts of the spirit is sarcasm, which I have. <laughs> And I said, who in the world would give a $3.33 check? <laughs> what were they thinking? It cost more to write the check than it was. In any... Anyway, it went off. And I had like six or eight people helping me count the offering to do all this stuff. All of a sudden, this voice that's in the room with me, she said, uh, Pastor Randy? I said, yes. She said, that's my check. Oh. Yeah. And she was one of my usher captains. She's only 18 years old, but she was one of my usher captains. And she said... She said, that's my check, Pastor Randy. I babysat last week. I made $33. I made $33 last week. And that's my tithe on the $33. Whoa. <laughs> Not that big. Not that big. I apologized and I apologized. I bought her several Starbucks cards. <laughs> I hugged her and her mother and her dog for a month. That's my tithe. It doesn't matter how big it is. It came from her heart. $33 and $3.33. But she was faithful, and she did it as a form of worship and a form of praise. And she didn't care who, how big it was. She was doing what God was telling her to do. Do you get that? <laughs> so, all those, this doesn't apply to you, but I got a video. There's a lot of misconceptions about giving and tithing and and. and uh, what we should do in the church with our finances. So here's a video for you to take a look at real quick. I give to God by enjoying what he has given me, okay? I mean, do you really think he expects something back? Now, I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, just to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope, all right? You see, when the plate gets passed, I bloop, put it in there like that. The deacon's counting the money. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. <laughs> I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? 
I only agreed to make this video if they promise not to tell you who I am. I mean, it's really none of your business. And it's also none of your business how much I give. I'm not gonna brag about it, okay? I mean, yeah, it's cool. I just got married and I have a kid, okay? And sure, you know, we get around, we're doing okay. But look, who I am and what I give is, it's between God and I, okay? I mean, the sacrifices I make are between me and God and my reward is in heaven. So look, don't try to figure out who I am or what I give because honestly, it's, it's none of your business. <laughs> I tithe. Okay, that's a lie. I don't tithe. I want to tithe. That's a lie, too. I don't even think about it. Seriously, you think God's up there like with a big old checklist going, hey, you tithe, you don't tithe? I don't buy that at all. Okay, I kind of buy that. Because what do you say? Give to God what is God's and give to Caesar's what is Caesar's? I don't even know any Caesar's. That's a lie. I know four Caesar's, even the little one. Let me ask you a question, huh? How's your mutual fund? Hey, for that matter, how's all your funds? Has the fund left your funds, huh? Has your do-re-mi taken a W-A-L-K, huh? What if I told you that I knew about an investment you could make that the return would be mind-boggling? And, 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 it's, and it's promised, it's guaranteed. I know what you're saying, there's no guarantees. This one's guaranteed, okay? Malachi 3.10, so what it says in the Old Testament, it says, test me, give to God, and he will give you back. It goes like this, I give this, he gives this. I give this, he gives this. I give this, up right up there, he keeps giving. I can't outgive God, how crazy is that? <laughs> Do I love him? Sure, whatever. I'm just saying, if you give, he gives back. Whatever. Crazy, isn't it? It works, though. How do you think I afforded that house in Tahiti? <laughs> oh, what time is it? It's tithing time. I tithe. But just not like in the form of a 10% check, per se. Let me tell you what I mean. When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts, I buy some, boom, that's a tithe. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts and I, out of the goodness of my heart, buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class, boom, that's another tithe. But it's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we could take our spouse out for an evening and they were charging $25 for childcare. Boom shakalaka tithe. I'll tell you what the biggest tithe was. When I spent over $100 on our meal and my wife was grinning ear to ear, that, my friends, a tithe. I, I would like to give. I would, okay? But everything right now is just crazy. I mean, just crazy, you know? I mean, not normal crazy, really crazy, you know? And if after I paid my bills and took care of the things that I need and want, then I would, I would consider giving something, but not, now's crazy. We're, we're, we're going to give later. We've already talked about it. I mean, down the road, we'll be crazy givers, but right now it's just crazy. Yeah, I have money, that's a fact. But you know what, it's a hard thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something, something if you'd have that music minister sing a couple more hymns now and then, huh? Hey, what's this, what's this? Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns, come on, you want it? Come on, pastor, do what I say, huh? Oh, in my life, Lord, be glorified in me. I put money in the plate. Wait, wait, wait. Look what I have here. I 
hope it doesn't interfere. That everyone can hear how I give with cheer. That everyone could be like me. Again, those people go to another church, they don't go here. I've seen it all. In the years of uh, helping out at different churches, I've seen uh, the, the blank envelope, uh, the welcome card. Uh, one time I got an envelope with a diamond ring in it. That was a whole thing, another thing. Candy and gum and, and dollar bills rolled up to look like maybe $100, and it's only like $5. And, uh, but it, God, God, God cares. He, it doesn't matter what, who's sitting around you as far as you're giving. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? And that's what we need to do to be generous, joyful heart. Give us an expression of our praise and our worship. A lot of times when we do the offering, that we're hilarious givers, we give with a joyful heart. If you're coming in here and you go, oh, I, all those people want is my money. <laughs> you know, all them church folk, they're hypocrites. And they, all they want is my money. If that's you, uh, keep your money. God has it all anyway. Hallelujah. But if when we come and we, we uh, have the opportunity to give, in many ways, including financially, to give from our heart. It's worship, it's praise, and you can't wait to get in there and bless the ministry. Okay. Philippians 4, 14 through 19, the last eight verses of Philippians, and uh, here we go. It was good, verse 14, it was good. Paul's getting excited again. It was good to share in my troubles. And we'll get what he was talking about, troubles. And he was, but he's being positive. It was good. Paul was writing this wonderful book of Philippians, but he was in deep trouble. What kind of trouble? Excuse me. Again, he was in first century jail. It's dirty. It's filthy. It has an open septic tank in the jail. The old first century jails were not like we have now with color TV and weight rooms and exercise yards and three squares a day and, and all the other stuff. Didn't have that. There was a, there was a bench. There was another bench. There was chains to change you to the wall or to the bench. That's also where you lay down. And then there's a big trough in the middle of the floor. And that's where you went to the bathroom. And then once in a while, somebody would come in and flush that out. That's where Paul was doing all of this amazing writing, encouraging the church. And they did all he had was a candlelight. There was no heat. There was no electricity. <sighs> no toilets, no showers, no cable TV. And Lord forbid, no Facebook or Twitter. <laughs> Paul was all alone. Have you ever been all alone where you felt that the world was unwinding on you? That you're alone, that uh, your prayers aren't going through the ceiling? That's what Paul was feeling. But then he goes on, verse 15. Moreover, you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when you were baby Christians, I set out from Macedonia. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you. Back in the early days, you were the only ones that support me, and you did it time after time. And my travel to all those other churches, uh, you taught me about, you showed me about what giving is all about, but you taught me how to receive with a humble heart and with gratitude. Uh, verse 16, when I was in the Thessalonica, 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 Thessalonica. Another left-handed word, where the Thessalonians lived. You sent me more aid 
and once again when I was in need. More than once, and more than once, again and again, Paul, the Philippians would send him finances. They wanted to bless him. Their generosity of giving to Paul was unique and unmatched. Well, it was unmatched because nobody else was given. And their giving was long. It was a pattern of generosity and staying faithful to the ministry of Paul. Verse 17, now I desire your gifts. Not that I desire your gifts. He said, I don't want your money. I don't want your gifts, but thank you very much. But what he does go on to say, I desire, what I desire is more, is that more be credited to your account. Paul was fully aware that as we, not as that guy, you give to God, you get more. I'm going to give more, not that. But when we get to God, that he credits our account. So when in time of need, my God shall supply, not that we do it, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And so when that happens, God is giving us interest. He's giving us uh, uh, a supernatural dividend. He's giving us a dividend that he, as time goes along and you get into different circumstances, that he has the ability to be there in the time of need. Time of need. Time of need. Um, in verse 18, I've received full payment. I have more than enough. I'm amply supplied. He says, man, I, I've got it going on. He says, now that I received from that guy, Aruphroditus, the gifts you sent me, they are a fragrant offering and acceptable. Paul is saying, and you know, we've already talked about this, your gifting is worship. Paul is overwhelmed with the generosity. We are overwhelmed by your generosity here at LifeSpring, and giving is a fragrant offering. Fresh, big bowl, big bouquet of, of roses. When you go get the warm towels out of the laundry, and it's got a little dryer sheet that doesn't smell like your grandma, and you pick up those towels and pull them all over your body, and curl up with the warm towels, and it smells so good, the fragrance. Someone has a brand new baby, and uh, they give the baby a bath, and they put a little powder on the baby, and they bring it up, and they hand you the baby, and you go, oh... I love you, baby. That what's with the fragrance. That's what the giving is for God. Paul says when we trust God, he'll supply all our needs according to our riches and glory. Quick story. I'm gonna, it's longer, Pete. It's longer than, than I'm going to share, but I'm going <laughs> yeah. to tell you this quick story about God's provision. Um, and I'm, I'm going to make it as fast as I can. So try to keep up, Okay. You're smart people. Took off, this is several years ago when my son was playing uh, football for Pelt High School and the semifinals were over in Spokane playing East Valley. Had an old van, not the one I have now, but another old van, and we took off with 11 or 12 people in our van heading to Spokane. We get to Snoqualmie Pass, all of a sudden the fan bell goes, bam, 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 bam. And then the water pump goes, on the top of Snoqualmie Pass. There's only one gas station on the top of Snoqualmie Pass. It's a Chevron station. I talked to the guy. He says, around back, there's a, kind of a mechanic. I went back there, and it looked like this guy was part, maybe from a, a, some kind of weird movie. And, and, uh, but he was a nice brother. I said, can you fix this? He said, yeah. And I said, how much? 20 bucks. I said, okay. So he's down on the wet concrete, and it's snowing and raining, and he fixes that fan belt, and he wanted 20 bucks. And I said, man, here's 40. He got me out of it. I turned around to leave, and here's a... a a big white pig in the snow. I says, is that your dog? Is that your pig? 
He said, yeah. I said, what's your, what's your, do- your pig's name? And he says, but the pig is named Powder. And there's a great big white pig in the snow. And I thought, well, okay, here we go. So I got in the car, get to Moses Lake. I was full off to get some lunch. All of a sudden, the right front tire goes flat. And I'm... <laughs> get off, have lunch, come out, change the tire. Now I got how many tires? I got four tires. How many spares do I got? None. Okay. Go to Les Schwab, buy a used tire, put that on. Off to the game. Great game. Puyallup lost by 12 points. We're back. Come back. Little town of Richfield. Anybody heard of Richfield or been yeah. through there? About an hour out of Spokane. All of a sudden, going along 70 miles an hour. Everybody in the car is going to sleep, except me. I'm going 70 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, bam! <laughs> I just did that for effect. I just wanted to go. <laughs> it was kind of cool. Bam! So I won't do that again. Maybe I will. <laughs> I'm having too much fun. So, but anyway. The left front tire blows, and then when it blows, it comes up and it hits the side of the car, it hits the side mirror, then blows the mirror right into my window, but doesn't break out the glass, and now everybody's awake, and we get that tire changed, now it's like 11.30 night, there's a motel over there, a Best Western, so I said, let's just go over there, we're not going to try to go over the pass without a spare, so we go in there, get two rooms, one for the girls, one for the boys, and I had, uh, there was a male friend, he's a pastor, his name's Pastor Dan also, Pastor Dan Schaefer, I hate Pastor Dan. Because he went to the night clerk, where I own the room, he says, just call room 210. He says, let that man know that uh, his van, that uh, it looks like he has another flat tire. <laughs> so I get that call. So now I only have three tires that I know of, and I have no spare. I go up in the morning, and all four tires are pumped up. <laughs> Pastor Dan was playing a trick on me. I wanted to hit him so hard. <laughs> he saw me looking at the tires, and he's over here going, ah. And I wanted to come up, I wanted to, there's a, the Irish part of me, I wanted to hit him so hard on the shoulder that would knock him down. But I didn't. Bought everybody breakfast, took off. Still only four tires. Get all the way, almost to Squamby Pass, Lake Easton. All of a sudden, bam! I did it again, I'm sorry. <laughs> I won't do it again. Boom, 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 boom. Now the left rear tire has blown. How many tires have I got now? Three, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, Pastor Dan gets out, Dan Schaefer gets out, and my son, they walk across this big field, there's a cafe, they talk somebody in that has a truck that's going to go to Clee Allen. Pastor Dan knows every AG pastor, assembly guy pastor in the state of Washington, because <laughs> that's what he is and was. He calls this guy in Clee Allen, he says, oh yeah, we have the gift of ministry of roads and freeways. And so he called the only gas station in Cleelum that happened to have the weird size of tire for my van. So we went and got that. This is a long time ago, and they charged me $170 for one tire. So I got the tire on, now we go, and away we go. Get to the house, and I said, what, do you want to come in and have sandwiches and hot chocolate? And people got out of the van and literally kissed the ground. <laughs> they're, going, they're going, thank you, Jesus. And one little guy said, this was the best day of my life, and now... It's like the worst day from heck. And everybody was gone. I said, you want to come? I turn around, boom, cars are starting, boom, zoom, 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 zoom. <laughs> they were out. Next morning, real quick, I called uh, Les Schwab, explained my little story. Long story short, they said, tell you what, can we give you a set of tires? I said, well, yeah, I got three flat ones. 
So we'd like a new set of tires for your van. I said, yes, please. Thank you very much, but you don't have to do that. The next morning, next morning, I get the mail. I put it on the counter. I go back to work. Kathy reads the mail at dinner time. She comes out and says, we got a, we got a thing for the mortgage company. And I oh, I added up all the expenses, not counting gas. It was $646 that it had cost me for everything. It says, did you see what came from the mortgage company? I said, no. It says, well, they got a check in here. Apparently, we overpaid on our mortgage or whatever, whatever it is. We've got a refund coming back. I said, let me see it. You know what it was for? $646, precisely to the penny. Precisely to the penny. Precisely to the penny. I don't think God wanted me to have that road trip. <laughs> That's a lot of flat tires. But God was so faithful. $646, and there it was. And that's what he's doing for you. That's what he's doing for the Philippians. That's what the Philippians were doing for Paul. You get all these cross dot things, Pete. <laughs> and then the last four verses of Philippians is basically like the doxology. He's just saying to God, the Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. And he's still just excited as when he started. And then he ends it. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Your spirit. Amen. And again, he starts Philippians off the way he ends it with this amazing thing, even though he's in the pit of the Roman jail, all alone. But the Philippians are blessing him with their love, their prayers, their worship, and their giving. $646 to the penny. Paul knew that Jesus was a good shepherd. He knew that th that whole thing about being a shepherd. And that's one of the things that he admired about, about Jesus, that he, he was a good shepherd. He is a good shepherd for all of us. And in Matthew 18, 12 through 14, um, this is Jesus speaking. He says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I've never seen the word if there before, but and if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about the one sheep than the 99 that didn't wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. I never saw the word if, and if he finds you. So if we wander away from Jesus too far, you know, Jesus says that the, the sheep know my voice, and they obey my voice, and, they, they, and I lead them, and they walk behind me. What if you wander too far away? What happens if you wander too far away, and you can't hear Jesus calling for you? And you get stubborn, and you get pig-headed, and you wander off? Anybody been there before? For a season, anyway, a couple days? Can you hear the voice of Jesus? Can you hear the voice of Jesus? And then finally, in John 10... Uh, 7 through 11. And this is Jesus talking. He's been talking to the Pharisees. He's already talked to them a couple of verses before and they didn't get it. They go, huh? I don't get it. So finally Jesus said, here it is, straight up. Straight up, listen to me. He said, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. And what he was talking about is that the Pharisees and, and the people were trying to get the new Christians to kind of revert back to Judaism and follow the old-fashioned law and be circumcised and all of this. But he says, And all who come before me are thieves and robbers, 
but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and they'll find pasture. And they'll be in the presence of Jesus. That's a little ad lib. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. A lot of things is more abundantly. More abundantly means more than you can imagine. Exceedingly beyond anything you can dream of. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. If we get too far away, Jesus goes looking for us, and the Bible says then, if he finds you, so hopefully you're not that far away, but sometimes you, you get to the, where you're wandering around, and it gets, and you're not talking to God, and you're not praying to God, and you're not getting in his word, and then all of a sudden you're not going to church, and then life kind of gets, you know, you know, you know what that feeling's about? But when we're together, and we're praising, and we're worshiping, uh, that's where it's all about. So uh, I found this video and, but it really spoke to me. And it's, uh, I'll let you watch it. It's, it's a shepherd, and he's got a high, bunch of high school kids coming to visit, and he's taught them how to call the sheep and see what happens when they call the sheep and then see what happens when the shepherd, Jesus, calls the sheep. One more time. Oh, one is. One team will come up. God is so good. Huh? Do you see that? Wow, he knows your name. Besides the big refrigerator, he knows your name. And when you wander off too much and he goes looking for you. God is moving by his spirit. Moving across the earth, 
signs and wonders. It's so good to be in church. It's so good to be one of God's kids. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Every day is a precious gift. Tear it open. Tear it open. And if you're here this morning and you've kind of wandered around and you're way out in the field, everyone just bow your head for a second. If you're off in the field and you say, man, I've wandered away from God. I've wandered away from Jesus. And I'm trying to do it all by myself. And it's not much fun. And I lost direction. I lost hope. I lost peace. And I don't like being there. And Jesus, I just want you to be real to me again. I want you to just, just envelop me with your love. Let me know that you rejoice in me. That you're proud of me. And that my picture's on your refrigerator. If that's you this morning and you're just off in a lonesome, kind of dry place, your prayers don't seem to be going through the ceiling. <clears throat> just lift your hand this morning. Let me see your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. If that's you, yes, praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Awesome, God. talking about the secret of being content. There was, used to be an old song, and probably all of you that are here this morning know it. It was just a song. It was called um, It Is No Secret. And the words go, It is no secret what God can do. What He's done for others, He'll do for you. With arms wide open on the cross, He'll pardon you. It is no secret what God's going to do for you. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Awesome God. Thank you for blessing us this morning. Thank you for blessing your people. Thanks for speaking to our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Amen.